Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. Starting or running a business is undeniably hard for everyone. Even if someone appears to be strolling down Easy Street, chances are they still wake up panicked in the middle of the night check their work email on their phones in the bathroom, and stress over balancing budgets just like everyone else. But for many women who are entrepreneurs or executives, there's another layer of anxiety stemming from challenges related to their gender, including unequal access to networks or finance, professional setbacks that they take time off to start or raise a family, and limited role models who look like them and can offer a helping hand. In the food service industry, this is reflected in the lower percentage of women than men at nearly every level, except entry level, according to the 2018 Women in the Workplace Report by McKinsey & Company. The annual report, which is based on information from 64,000 employees at 279 food service companies, found that in 2018, only 18% of C-suite positions in the food service industry were filled by women, compared to 23% in all companies. Similarly, only 24% of vice presidents, 31% of senior managers and directors, and 37% of managers in food service were held by women. And if you think those figures are grim, you should note that they are down across the board from the previous year, according to the report. What's more, the McKinsey survey reports that these challenges persist despite women earning more bachelor's degree than men over the last 30 years and asking for promotions and negotiating salaries at the same rate as men. So what's the holdup? One answer, according to the McKinsey survey, could be denial. It found in companies where only 1 in 10 senior leaders are women, nearly 45% of men think women are well represented in leadership, and 28% of women agree. Since dwelling on a problem rarely solves it, this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast includes strategies to address some of these challenges from Cheryl Klaus, who suavely points out that many of the lessons that she learned in her 14 years as a CEO and founder of Dry Soda Company can help any entrepreneur, regardless of gender, be a better leader. Klaus's first tip for tackling the challenges that hold women back is to acknowledge that there is a problem and to not be intimidated about discussing it. So uh, admittedly in the first, let's see here, 14 years, the first uh, 10, 11 years of dry, I never would answer this question. I didn't like talking about what it was like to be a female CEO because it felt like a dangerous topic. Like people are going to think you're whining and there's, and I was just, so I would just stay away from it. And now I am pounding my fist about what it's like to be a female entrepreneur, partly because, well, mostly because I have daughters that are 21 and 22. One just graduated from college and is going out into the world work world. And my assumption when I gave birth to these girls 20 years ago was that th- this we wouldn't be dealing with any of this. And I know, again, that was somewhat naive of me. And my daughters are still dealing with it. And it's such a shock to my system <laughs> that I now talk very bluntly and very transparently about what it is like to be a female CEO. And it is challenging. There are real challenges. I don't care if anyone thinks I'm whining. There are true challenges about 
raising money, about being taken seriously. I have so many stories of, you know, not being taken seriously, not having a, a space at the table. Um, and it's been challenging. Klaus's second piece of advice for entrepreneurs is to demand respect and to be unapologetically yourself. What I've learned over the last 14 years is that time and success will give you the respect that you're looking for. And it's also just demanding it. You know, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, I'm going to be taken seriously. You can like or not like the way that I'm going to approach you, but I'm going to get the job done. And so we do have a joke around the office. I actually, someone made a t-shirt for me um, because when I first started dry, I got called by two distributors, two different distributors called me a relentless bitch <laughs> to my face. And I'm like, yeah, I am. You're right. Cause how else is something going to get done if I don't try to get it done? So there you go. So now I proudly wear my relentless bitch t-shirt. <laughs> Be unapologetically yourself. If that means that you're super, um, however you're comfortable being, be that. And I'm a much more aggressive female and that's the way it works for me. And it, trust me, I get a ton of pushback around that. And I just, as I've grown, I've realized, you know what, I'm not tempering that. Like this is who I am. And it's not like I don't have to still sort of manage egos in a room. I do have to do that, but I'm still going to demand and ask for what I want. Women who take time off professionally to raise children often worry that they'll fall behind in their careers or that they won't have the necessary skills when they return to the workforce to succeed. But Klaus notes that the skills parents develop raising children often apply to their professional jobs too. Valuing, valuing what we bring to the table. So for one, like one thing for me is like, I love hiring moms because I think mothers know how to do a load of stuff. We know we learn how to multitask. We learn how to negotiate. We learn how to deal with little tiny egos. We learn, you know, like, it's just, it's like, it's everything you have to do as a mom. We learn how to sell, right? You're selling to get your kid in the car or whatever it is. Like, it's, there's a lot that we do as moms. And so I think we as a society don't always value the traits and the experiences that women have. And so I'm really big about women that want to take time off and be with their kids and then come back in the workforce. I am a thousand times like just, I would love to see more of that. I took time off. I was a stay at home mom of four kids when I started dry. Like I had four kids under the age of seven and I was homeschooling my two daughters that were six and seven. And I started this company and I wouldn't trade that time home with those kids when they were babies for anything. And I'm proud of myself that I did that, even though it was scary, because I was like, am I going to, is my career going to be able to go where I want by taking this time off? And so, I mean, those are, right, those are things that I think we really deal with. Much like running a business, finding a mentor is hard, again, for everybody. But also, again, it can be particularly challenging for women, given how few women currently hold leadership positions which is why Klaus encourages women to offer a hand down to help lift up those who are below them. Women need access. The biggest thing we have against us is access to access to finance, access to networks, access to um, businesses. And so I think it's really critical that we all sort of take a hand down to someone younger than us and mentor and pull up and give access so I'm all about sharing my access with as many women as I can. And here in Seattle, um, I have been able to really create, I haven't created, but some other people have created this incredible community of female CEOs. And I'm a part of that. Like we are true friends and we truly help each other. 
And it has been an incredible experience for me, like, to have this. And it's really just been in the last few years that I've sort of lifted my head up and said, okay, I need, I need more women around me, more women CEOs that know how I feel. And, and I just, it's amazing what happens as you, as you bring in that, those kind of um, communities around yourself. For many women, the struggles in their professional career is not their only job. More often than not, they're also the primary caretaker at home, which on the surface makes it difficult to find time to take care of themselves. Klaus acknowledged that this is hard, but not impossible. Um, For me, it's not so much work-life balance as being present. Um, The way that I've had to do this is in is be as present as I can when I'm home. Now, that being said, because I make the money that I make, I can outsource stuff, right? I outsource the laundry. I outsource my lawn, yard work. I have a housekeeper. There's so that when I come home, the only thing I'm doing is being with my kids. Now, I multitask, right? I make dinner with my kids um, and things like that. I go on business trips with my kids. Over the last 14 years, I've taken you know, kids by themselves. So I've had one-on-one time with my kids. I've taken different combinations of kids. I've taken all of the kids. Um, And I've also, there's been different fun experiences I've been able to give them because of dry, like meeting, I don't know, ASAP Rocky. My daughter got to go hang out with ASAP Rocky several times because I got to know him through um, this business. And so there's just these, it's about finding ways of sort of integrating the two as much as you can. So I know that sounds a little bit crazy, but I, I try to do that. And then it's really about being very present because it used to be difficult for me. Like I, I have to travel a lot and I would feel really guilty when I was away from the kids. And I finally decided, you know what, that's a waste of time. What I need to do is use this travel time as a time to sort of recharge because as young moms, being in a hotel room by yourself is like nirvana. <laughs> so I just decided no more guilt about anything. It's being present where I'm at. So if it's in a hotel room, I'm going to be present and enjoy that and get filled up from that. And then when I get home, I will be better to be able to hang out with them and, and be just really present with them. So I, that's what I do. I don't, I don't have a ton of hobbies outside of my kids because, I mean, I share most of my hobbies with my kids. Let me put it that way because I don't, yeah. The one thing I do do though, um, I started doing seven years ago is I started taking one um, international vacation a year by myself <laughs> So I do, I do some selfish stuff, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> it's not selfish. Aww. Actually, my, it did not go well with my 15-year-old daughter at the time when I first told her I was going to Paris without any of them. But, um, <laughs> but it's, it's become one of those things where it's like it is absolutely just recharges me and it is just the greatest thing I do each year. And I'm like, I'm never, I'm never giving this up. Wearing multiple hats and balancing obligations isn't easy, acknowledges Klaus, which is why she celebrates the daily little successes, a strategy that she so thoroughly believes in that Dry is now launching 750 milliliter celebration bottles of its beverages to help consumers follow her advice. And I love to celebrate anything and everything, and I celebrate daily, <laughs> little successes, whatever it is. And I... For us, it's around how do we continue to bring people products that allow them to celebrate without alcohol. So whatever that may look like right now, it's definitely we're focused on our um, botanical bubbly line here, especially with our new celebration bottles, the 750. I think that's, that's really where we're at now. 
Klaus also remembers celebrating a lot of big moments as the leader of Dry, including when the acclaimed restaurant French Laundry added her products to its menu. I created a beverage that is strong enough to pair with food. Like it is really, really good and it's all about flavors. So being a foodie, that's the most important thing to me is this product tastes really good. We don't use a load of sugar. So there's only about a quarter of the sugar of, you know, sort of a regular drink that you would have out there. And it, when you're drinking it, it, it's a beautiful experience and it really can pair with food. And for me, one of the just highlights of the last 14 years is when French Laundry brought dry in. And I'm like, if French Laundry feels like dry can, can pair with their food, then I have, I'm done. <laughs> Mic drop, I'm out. Because that was what I cared about, right? Was it creating something that, because at the end of the day, if we are trying to create a new category, because we're not trying to be an alcoholic, we're not like trying to be an alcohol-free spirit or an, a non-alcoholic beer. We're just trying to create a whole new category of like, this is a drink you can have when you're not drinking. Beyond that, Klaus notes that Dry continues to have a lot to celebrate, including a newer line of sugar-free beverages and an evolving cultural landscape that favors the success of her business and being sober. I think the landscape has totally changed, and it's really exciting because what we're seeing now is um, it's around half of Americans are trying to drink less. But the, what's interesting is 21 to 34-year-olds, it's more like two-thirds of them are trying to drink less. And when you dig further into that, it's all about sort of really wanting to have more clarity, um, not wanting to lose their edge, both professionally and personally. I think it also has a lot to do with wanting to be able to be present and have those connections with people. And the sort of drunken heyday of my generation, I mean, a lot of those are, are my kids. Now, my kids are, you know, ages 15 to 22. And they just don't, they just don't party like we did. Like, it's just not a thing. And I think it's, it's really fascinating to see. And I think it's becoming much more socially acceptable to not drink. Because what you'll find is when people are out or if they're not drinking for dietary reasons or whatever reason, um, people really will peer pressure them. And, oh, you should drink, you should have a drink, you should have a drink. And it's like, what we need to be able to do is be able to have peer pressure the other way around, which is like, hey, it's great not to drink. Like, here's still an option. and here's You can still have a, a beverage that's going to make you feel like you're a part of the party and still have some of that ritual. Really, in the last few years, and even if you've seen Dry January, has become such a big um, a big thing, whereas like five years ago, not very many people were doing it. And um, I, I'm excited because it's like, this is exactly what I why I created Dry. And granted, I created it 14 years ago, but like, this is why I created it. Looking forward, Klaus says she's also excited to explore new plants and flavors during her travels around the world with the hope of potentially expanding dry so that more people can enjoy it. And with that, we've reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week.